Those of you who are uh, returning, you'll know that we've been in the Gospel of John since the beginning of the year. And on this Palm Sunday, I believe it's God's timing that we come to probably, well, I want to say assuredly, it is the best known verse in the Bible. You may have memorized it in Sunday school, vacation Bible school, but it is John 3.16. So, I am going to challenge you. I know you've just sat down. Some of you are already tired, and if you cannot stand, that's okay. But if you have a palm, stand with me, please. If there is a verse in the Bible that you ought to be able to raise your hand and, and wave it back and forth, let's repeat John 3. And I even have it in King James up there because that's probably the way most of us memorized it. For God so loved the that he, come on, that whosoever should, <laughs> for lasting life. And that, thank you, please have a seat, John 3.16. And that is the beauty of the gospel. Somebody over there trying to wave it, and I had to go share it with somebody else. So maybe you can do that. You could probably rip your palm in half if you needed to. As I said, you probably memorized this uh, a long, long time ago, and I started to say, as I was doing my uh, mathematical uh, numbers this uh, week, I probably learned this a half century ago, and that makes me really sound like I am an antique, and Pierce often points that out, that, you know, when are you just going to go back into the tar pit like the dinosaur you are? I'll be a fossil someday. And as he's in a doctoral uh, program right now, likewise, when I was in mine in uh, the late 80s, there was a uh, doctoral a colloquium, fancy word for saying a discussion, but a colloquium that I would drive to, to Fort Worth every Monday. I was stationed here in the Air Force. I'd go every Monday for a semester, and I would talk highbrow theology with these other doctoral people, and there's usually a guest professor. And this particular Monday, there was a guest professor who was a pastor of a gigantic church in Dallas. Not W.A. Criswell, but he, Criswell was still there. At the, you know, it was still in those time frames. But um, this guy suggested or asked the question, do you believe all the words that Jesus spoke that we have contained in our Bible, he really said? And I that was an affront to me. That was like slapping me with a wet noodle. What do you mean? He said, really, do you believe verbatim that God, through his son, has these words contained for us in Scripture as we know them today? And, and, and he kept pushing the question. He kept asking over and over. And, and some of the other guys who were far more experienced and better Bible quoters than I was, and I was just kind of sitting in the back. And I remember this guy finally, his name, his first name was Gerald. I cannot remember his last name. He was far older than me. He had to be every bit of 45. I was like 27, 28. You know, he's an old man. And in this deep Texas accent, he said, it's in red letters, ain't it? And some of you would say, well, what a naive, what an uneducated, what an ill-informed statement to make. But for me, that was a statement of faith. That was a statement of belief. That was a confidence that the book that we have is God's holy word, inspired, brought to life by him and through him. And in this passage, we read one of those verses, and I will read it to you from the NIV, which is just slightly different. 
How do you like the green glasses? thought they stand out, right? Yeah, I can't lose these. Nobody wants them. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Luther said, Alex, you would probably quote him for me, and where's Lou Ranhofer maybe? Uh, there are other Lutherans that are, that are now part of our congregation. Luther said it made him, it delighted him that the verse is, God so loved the world. He said because he liked that better than if it said, God so loved Martin Luther. It implied the great capacity of God's love. For up to this time, most Jews thought that God only loved the Jews. Jesus says, God so loved the world. He loved us all. And Martin Luther took strength in that, as we should too. And as you'll hear a little bit later, we are so good at saying, God loves me, but I'm not sure he loves you. You laugh, church people are some of the worst. Stay with me, and I'll have a, an illustration that will stay with that. Spurgeon said, of all the stars in the sky, the pole star, or we would say in more modern vernacular, the north star, is the most useful to a mariner, to a sailor. And Spurgeon said that just as the pole star or the north star is the most useful to sailors, so too is John 3.16 to the follower of Christ. It leads the way. It points to what God did, does, and will do for those who have faith in him. Moving up to a little more modern preacher, and some of you would say, dinosaur, he's, still a di he's, he's gone to be with the Lord since I've been here. Billy Graham, Billy Graham said that his mama taught him John 3.16, and it was his favorite verse in the Bible. In fact, he is the one who gets credit with saying that John 3.16 is the gospel in a nutshell. It was also one of the verses that he would preach every crusade, typically the first night of his crusade. He used John 3.16. And if you've ever listened to any of his, and I pull one up, when well, he had to be like 30 years old, you know, that he's thin, the hair is flowing, and he's got the hand motions going, because he was one of, one of the first really animated proclaimers that we have in, that are in uh, videos of, and he's saying it's 25 words. And over and over, he says, it's 25 words. John 3, 16. It would be the same verse that he would use with many of our nation's presidents, popular men and women, and I'll come back to that in a bit. Always going back to this North Star, as Spurgeon would say, as Luther would say, for all that John writes for us, Jesus' words, whether you say Jesus said it or John said it, God inspired it. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus for you and I. Tony Evans, who is a popular pastor in Dallas, he says, you have two choices when you come to this verse. You can abuse it and reject it, or you can respond to it. So abuse it and, you know, cast it aside or respond to it. And he said, you come eventually to the point you have to ask yourself, what benefit does it do me by rejecting it are casting it aside. What benefit does it give you to reject God's love? It does not. 
and our lifestyle. I can't think of anything. So, the title is So Loved. John develops a theology of love in this gospel, and you'll see other writings of God's love in 1 John 4. In fact, I would equate, um, equate, I would encourage you to look at 1 John 4 this afternoon, because in it we read that God loves us because that's his very essence. It's not a, a result or a consequence of who he is. It is who he is. John, 1 John 4 says, God is love, and, and in that, John continues to tell us that we should love one another. And it's only through God's love that we are saved. He answered the crowd's shouts of Hosanna that day, and I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to another passage as we try to join John 3.16 with John 12, verse 12. This is the Palm Sunday reading for uh, the Gospel of John. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him. I'm going to pick up a big one. This is one that you probably would be able to wave more than these smaller ones. And Right, Dan? These cost more than these, I'm sure, right? Yeah, yeah. That's why we only have like four of these. But if you want to wave one and come up here and get one at the end of the service, please do. He says, um, they took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna! What does Hosanna mean? I heard a, a weak voice, but I couldn't tell what it said. Does it, save us now. Thank you, Joyce. That's a strong voice from the third row in the back. Save us now. God save us is what they're saying. I mean, do you realize that? That they're, they're crying out to this radical young preacher who's riding in on a donkey. Save us now. Save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey, and there are different accounts and different gospels how that donkey came to be, to be presented to Jesus. He sat upon it, and it is, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified they, did they realize these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. So, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Let's look at this first point. And thank you, Joyce, for answering that because most of them were scratching their head. Hosanna means God save us or save us. It is a blending of two Hebrew words. And I put those four words up there because uh, I stumbled on that this week and I, I really enjoyed it. Um, if you're familiar with... Um, John Piper, he has one of these fancy iPads that he can highlight, he can cut and circle, and he basically parses down a, a set of texts and he expounds on that for his congregation. I'm not looking to do that kind of electronic stuff. It's Dan and Pierce have enough issues with all the other electronics we have, but it is pretty cool how he can take a different color and he'll circle it. But he broke down the Gospel of John, verse 16, uh, 316, to say, Design, duty, danger, and destiny. And let me see if I can do all these in memory. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's his design. That whosoever believeth in him, that's our duty, should not perish. That's the danger of not believing. 
that we would receive eternal life, and that is the destiny of those who place their faith in Christ Jesus. So it was his design, as we see, that God loved us and he sent his son for us. His unfathomable plan, in my mind, who here has a son? Raise your hand. Who's got two? Who's got three? Who's got four? Anybody got four? So, Johnny, you got three. You guys got three. We got three. Would you give up? I mean, because you got multiples. You know, I got multiples. Would you give up one for anybody? No. I, I, I mean, you make somebody else give them up. But God gave up. And what's so, I think, so wonderful about this passage, he gave up his one and only. He gave up the begotten. He gave up the most unique, the most perfect. He gave up part of himself for you and I. To die a sinner's convict's death. That if we only would have faith in him, we might have life everlasting. God so loved. So, as I looked at that this week, I came across another pastor. Uh, this is, um, in fact, it's easier sometimes. There has been difficulty in the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, convention with uh, some leadership uh, plagiarizing sermons. If I ever tell you somebody else's stuff, I tell you whose it is. I think that's the whole definition. When I was in school, if you footnote it, you can about tell anything you want to tell, right? As long as you, I'm looking at a teacher, right? My sister's a teacher too. As long as you put a footnote, you're not plagiarizing, right? So this comes from Craig Larson. He is the pastor of Lakeshore Church in Chicago. He is a fairly prolific writer, preacher, and uh, I believe that church is Assemblies of God. So it might make some Baptists a little uncomfortable because if it got too emotional, they'd have to leave. You think about raising palms, man. They're they're dancing and raising palms all at the same time. He said about this passage, he said, God so loved the world. Who does God love? God loves the poor and he loves the rich. And I'm quoting all here because it hurt. It made me uncomfortable at times. Part of it I wanted to say amen. Part of it said, oh. God loves the poor and the rich. God loves men and women. God loves boys and girls. God loves the older person using a walker to shuffle down the sidewalk and the newborn dozing in his mother's arms. He loves the strong and the healthy. And he loves the weak, the sick, the abandoned, and broken. God loves the educated and the illiterate. God loves the, those who are from every people group, black, white, brown, whatever color you may call yourself. God loves the self-discipline, and he loves the addict. He loves the high and mighty, and he loves the low and powerless and oppressed. God loves liars, thieves, hustlers, adulterers, pimps, prostitutes, whores, rapists, pedophiles. God loves murderers, gangbangers, and those who have aborted babies. And he loves their helpless victims. God loves transvestites, transgenders, and homosexuals. God loves the greedy, the lazy, the good-for-nothing, the employed, the unemployed, the homeless, and those living in mansions. He loves deadbeat dads. He loves the divorced. He loves the happily married. He loves the miserably married. He loves the single, the widowed. God loves those who bow down to idols and those who bow down to sports teams. He loves those who are addicted to pornography. God loves atheists. God loves Muslims. God loves Hindus and Buddhists. 
He loves those who take his name into vain, in vain. God loves the world. God loves evil people. He loves his enemies. He loves those who would hate him. He loves the gentle soul that wouldn't swat a fly. He loves the selfish, the mean, the proud, vicious people. He loves everyone. He even loves you, no matter what you've done. And by design, by design, God loves you. He doesn't say he loves those sins that perhaps we heard in that list. He doesn't say I love the sin. But don't run the risk today of thinking, well, God doesn't love that one and put yourself on God's throne. Because too many times we do look down our noses and say, God surely doesn't love those like he loves me. After all, I'm following him. That's what he, by design, intended is for you to follow him after you've recognized how much he loves you. They just have not gotten to that point. He loves you in spite of your sin. And it is our duty to love him back. The danger, if we don't love him, is a destiny spent away from him. Eternity. Forever. Separated from him if you don't follow in faith in Christ Jesus. So, Hosanna, save us, is what they said on that Palm Sunday. And there are two words that I chose to make my two points today because it's two words that we use that often we either don't understand. I mean, thank you, Joyce. She, the rest of you understood it. You were just waiting for her to say it. I know. Yeah. What, this next word, and we've already sang it once or so in a song, but look at this next word. Oh, don't say because it says what it means. Hallelujah. Why is it that nobody says hallelujah in Baptist churches anymore? We'll say amen if it's an old man usually. Judd? There's a, I mean, if Norris was here, you get an amen out of Norris. Amen. Service is about over. Amen. <laughs> there you go. And that is the word. I don't understand. Go ahead, guys. You go to the next slide. Hallelujah is another combination word. Part of the word of God in there. Part of the word for praise. This is Hebrew. goes into Greek. And we get hallelujah. And as I said in our staff meeting this week, I had an army uh, guy about this tall and about five foot wide. I mean, just a V. The, the top of his shoulders were this wide. And his waist was probably normal. Uh, African-American guy that was in the gospel service that I preached at when I was in, in Korea. And when he said hallelujah, it was like 17 syllables. Hallelujah. I mean, it just went on forever. But that was the way he said amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. But most of us are Baptists. We'd rather go back to making the crosses, you know, than ever say praise God for having saved us. Hmm. Pierce went back and forth on the colors to put up there today. You know, this is, you know, the light is on the cross. Don't get too carried away in all the hallelujahs. Or maybe get carried away in all the hallelujahs because the grave could not contain him. And we'll talk more about that next week. But purple is the sign of royalty. We hung the king of kings on a cross. You say, well, I wasn't there. I wouldn't have done it. Yes, you would have. 
Because the same people who shouted Hosanna one day, about five or six days later, shouted, crucify him. It was cool on the day he came riding in on a donkey to say, Hosanna, Hosanna. And it was cool on the day they wanted to kill him to say, crucify him, crucify him. How many of you were the cool kids in school? Come on now, some of you were cool kids in school. You wanted to be the cool kids in school. So I asked this of Wade earlier, and if no one can answer, Wade has been given the proper answer. Who's the coolest actor of all time? I know, Pierce, many times the actors I know you've never heard of. But who's the coolest actor ever? Mm. His title would be called the king, though. I don't know if you small K, not big K compared to Jesus. All right. Give me another one. Did I hear a Steve McQueen out there? He was considered the king of cool. Did you know that? He was the coolest guy around. And some of you go, I never heard of who Steve McQueen. Go home today and rent uh, The Getaway, Bullet, uh, Great Escape, um, you can just go down the list. Uh, there's one, uh, Papillon. You know, the, you know, anyway, that's a true story, too. Yeah. So, Steve McQueen, if you do know his story, not only being a good-looking race car driving, motorcycle riding, cigarette smoking, which is probably what got him, uh, he died at age 50 from cancer. Uh, but he was raised by an abusive father. Um, had nothing to do, really, with faith uh, growing up. But later in life, and uh, Dean Howard's not here, but those others who fly, uh, when he started to learn to fly, the pilot who was teaching him to fly, he seemed to see that this man was calmer and just more at peace with life. You've got to be pretty calm to be a pilot instructor. I mean, you know, you got to, because they'll do crazy stuff to you. And he finally asked this guy that was teaching him how to fly, he said, why are you so, I mean, what is going on with you? Why are you so level-handed and, you know, calm. He said, I have a relationship with Jesus, and I know who's in control of all things. Tell me more. And eventually, uh, he and his wife found their way to a Baptist church, and uh, Steve McQueen was converted. And if I knew the pastor of that church, he's the coolest preacher there ever would have been. But I can go back and say that Billy Graham uh, did have an influence on Steve McQueen's life. And if you know this story that I just stumbled upon this week, uh, McQueen, when he was dying uh, of cancer in the hospital, kept a Bible on his chest with John 3.16 open to that page. And he was a testimony to the medical staff that came into him. And in fact, they say that's the way they found him with John 3.16 on his chest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He found Jesus. Now, most of us know this song, Hallelujah, from this movie. Go ahead and play a clip, guys. Some of you are going to go, oh, not again. Just woke up the children. I heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do you? It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift, the baffled king. 
Yeah, I'm not going to give you the whole thing. I want you to know that your praise and worship leader knew the author, the writer of that song, even without me having to prompt him. Leonard Cohen wrote that song. It took him 10 years, he said, to write it. Born uh, into a Jewish family and pretty much uh, practiced Judaism his entire life. He said this broken hallelujah is a summary of faith and his interaction uh, with God. But in a subsequent interview with the New Yorker, he talked about the fact that he had looked at Christianity many times and that the person of Christ was so attractive for him. The idea to be forgiven, the idea to live eternally, the idea to have a Savior was something that he had some Jewish ties to, but he never established a relationship with Jesus. And I'm not going to preach him into heaven, but I do like the last line of that song, if you know it. That even though, basically, he's talked about all his failures, all his misgivings, and when I stand before God, the only thing that will be on my tongue is hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. How many times curse words of God's have been on our lips instead of thank you, God, for what you've done? And, of course, as Cliff always goes down the deep rabbit hole of YouTube, and I'm not going to play another one, I stumbled across uh, a Marine. I want to get his name exactly. I think Don Donnelly, Don Tim Donnelly. I couldn't get the first name to come to my mind. Tim Donnelly is in a, uh, a group of uh, wounded warriors singing. It's, it's called Stand Up. Uh, and this is about nine years old. I saw this one because I'm Googling hallelujah and the chorus and somebody else singing it. And here's a young man who lost both legs in Afghanistan and the use of his, of his right arm. The use of his right arm, I mean, it's still there, but it, it, it was wrapped up. He is singing the hallelujah, the song, Cohen's song. And I have this quote because I had to, you know, <laughs> my mind goes, I got to find why. How could this guy... And he said, let me find it. He told a reporter, I thought I understood that song because I knew it before going to Afghanistan. But after the explosion thing, you know, my whole life was coming down around my ears. Every dream, every hope, er everything I had ever thought about for the future was broken around me. And I didn't know when to t where to turn. And it was at that place, God said, do you still trust me? Do you still believe that I have what's best for you? And it was at that moment, Tim said, that I, I understood hallelujah. And at, at that point, I may have finally thought, I'm more whole now than I've ever been in my life. Hosanna, God save us. Hallelujah. Praise God, he will, if you'll simply put your faith in him. Back to Tony Evans. What does it gain you to reject the love of God? Stand with me, please, we pray. Our Father, at this time, in this invitation, when we ask people to come forward, this would be the time, instead of rejecting your love, they would place their faith in your love. The fact that you so loved the world that included each one who's here today, sinner or saint,
And Lord, the saints are truly just forgiven sinners. But if they've never tasted of the sweetness of God, of your love, and the, the beauty of understanding what it means to be forgiven, and placing their lives into your hands, I pray that this would be the moment that they respond to say, I want to believe, I want to profess, I want to confess. I want to walk with Jesus, for you so loved me that it is my design to follow you. It is my duty to follow you. And the dangers that I don't, my destiny will not be with you in heaven, but it's only through following you in love and in faith. So, Father, speak to the hearts of these who are hearing today, and I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.